Oh, it feels like ages since I spoke to Claire. Maybe she joins me now. Hi, Claire. Hi, Jesse. How are you? Good. Tell me about your life. Tell me about your suite of responsibilities and what's keeping you busy. Well, I've just been on a bit of a a trip overseas, which was very lucky and really fun. I went to the Edinburgh Book Festival. Wow. um, Yeah, it was awesome. It was just really vibrant and um, interesting. Yeah. And yeah, um, back in in good old New Zealand to the Wellington weather. (laughs) And. yeah, was it, was it the, hot? Um, was it hot in uh, in the UK? It actually wasn't. We missed um, a bit of a heat wave, mm-hmm. and July felt pretty um, tepid. I'd say. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. you're back now, yeah. And um, what are you working on here at the moment? Um, so I'm the books editor for the spin-off. So um, really busy time for loads of books coming out um, this month. And then um, Verb Readers and Writers Festival, which is coming up in November. Oh, great. The 10th, 10th edition, any, which is unbelievable. Yeah, it is. Any particular highlights there you wanted to mention? Yeah, I think um, I think the 10th edition of the Lit Crawl Wellington is really special. <laughs> yeah. it's such a unique I've been part event. of that before. It's I love Lit Crawl. Yeah. yeah, and it's just kind of an, it's a bit of a souped up version of it. It's the biggest one we've ever done. Mm-hmm. And um, and the main program is looking really beautiful. So we, we moved into a new model where we have six um, programmers who all curated a different thread each. And I think that's made the program really special and very um, eclectic. Yeah. And there's kind of something for everybody in there. Cool. What have you been reading? Yeah. I have been reading a lot, actually, um, on my on my travels. And... The kind of highlights that I've picked out for today start with Natalia Ginsberg, who I think um, quite a few people might have at least heard about because she's having a real renaissance. Mm. So she's an Italian writer and she's writing um, kind of between the, the 50s and 70s and, and a bit later after that. And she's just extraordinary. Her work has been translated and republished, which is, is why she's having a renaissance. But I read The Dry Heart really recently and it's a very slim novel it's really great if you like a short book and it's about a a woman who shoots her husband (laughs) and you find that out on the very first page and one of the sentences that leaps out is I shot him between the eyes and the book kind of cycles back from that moment so you understand why this woman was really losing her mind and all the kinds of pressures she was under as a woman in the 1940s. It was published in 1947. Um, And the restrictions on her life and what grief does to a person and um, how people can be so isolated from each other even within a marriage. Mm. And it's just such a perfect, perfect novel and her style is really striking. I think that's why people have fallen in love with her because her language is incredibly clear. It's really short sentences. It's all about um, the movement of the character and kind of in her mind and in her Mm. exterior life. And it's quite minimal in terms of description. And that kind of flowery language is completely cut out. So it's it's really amazing. And I'm I'm going to go on a deep dive into the rest of her work based on this one. That's cool. And, and, any particular reason? Well, you, you say they're being reprinted now, but um, was she not recognised or not really discovered within her own lifetime? Well, I think because she's Italian, I, oh, yeah. I think probably yeah. I think she, I, I suspect she was well known in 
especially and and for people who can read Italian. But yeah, right. They've been translated now, have they? Yeah, yeah. The English language speakers have um have discovered here. Yeah. So I think it's that renaissance among among the English. And, and interesting, country. and presumably, if the translator's doing a good job, then that that sort of spare prose you're talking about is it matches her style in Italian too. Yes. Well, the translator is Francis Fren- Frenet, um, which is an unusual last name, but. I have I have never heard of of her as a translator, but the it's brilliant. I think she's done an incredible job, and I know it's always weird with translations because obviously I can't read Italian, and I always wonder what that experience would be like reading it in the original language. Yeah. But in English, it's extraordinary. Great, that's called "The Dry Heart" by Natalia Ginsberg. That's Ginsberg with a Z, uh, not like Alan Ginsberg. Um, Dazzle Hands by Sachikota and Josh Morgan. Yeah, so this is a beautiful picture book that just came out um, from Huya in, in New Zealand. And Sachikota and Josh Morgan are the writer-illustrator duo that did The Bomb, which was a really big hit a few years ago. And this book is such a delight. <laughs> we read it, um, me and my son read it a lot on the road. And it's basically a book about a farmer and he's the coolest farmer you've ever seen. He's like a young 80s dude and he has your kind of standard farmyard animals and he's trying to kind of rally them in a chorus of that kind of classic cows go moo, sheep go bar, but his pig won't oink. His pig has got away with words and he's like a incredibly verbose, rhyming, pig, flamboyant pig. And so the whole thing is kind of chaotic and fun and really vibrant. And it's it's just this perfect kind of picture book. Also published in Te Māori, which is awesome. And it's fun for everybody to read aloud. It's great for little kids to explore new words because the language is so interesting and rich and rhythmical. And it's just got a great message, a message about um, being yourself and being as expressive as you want to and not conforming because it's got all these great ideas kind of sitting right underneath. Yeah. Um, okay, a couple of things. One is that and I know there's been a lot of talk about the sort of the, the money going out of the publishing industry and, and you know, being tougher to, um, to to make a dollar, but the the quality of the design and um, the quality of production of books seems to be going up. The, the books that come past my desk here are so beautiful. And this one, Dazzle Hands, I'm just looking at a picture of it, this this one. This looks beautiful too. It's so beautiful. And I think a lot of that is down to Josh Morgan, who's the illustrator. Mm. All of all of their books have this very singular aesthetic. Like there's really no one else making books that look like this. And But also Huia publishes, their publishers, all of their books. Are, are really beautiful, and I was thinking about um, Fiti Hiriaka's book Kurungai Tuku, which um, won the, the big award. God, was it last year? I think it was last year. That was a, such a beautiful publication, and and I think that Hui put a lot of effort into the the way the book looks to reflect the story. Yeah, I was interviewing. But I think um, you're right. Yeah, there's a lot of amazing books. Yeah, I was talking to Rebecca Faulkner yesterday from the um, Govett Brewster Art Gallery, and I've just um, released a kind of kids' activity book uh, on themes on Len Lai's uh, works of art it's oh, called Ziggle. Book. Yeah, yeah and that's another beauty. Book. Like a kids' activity book is not necessarily something you expect 
to be a work of, of of beauty, right? I mean, you're encouraged to draw in it. It's you know, you sort of imagine more of a scrapbook, but um, the effort they've put into it really has really paid off. I think. I know, I know, and I think it's it's interesting to think about the economics because it, it does it makes me wonder too, kind of how that how that works. Yeah. And, and I'm guessing that the sales must be good. I hope that's what that means <laughs> that people are really looking at these books and thinking that. It's a valuable thing to own. I missed. I missed you um, mention this earlier. If you did, but have this um, duo done books together before? They have. They have. They've done. I think I'm right in saying this is the fourth. Um, but they have done the Marble Maker, the Key, the Bomb, and this one. Okay. Hazel Hands. Sasha Cotter. Yeah. Beautiful and really well written and so beautiful to look at and. And the pictures tell a story of their own. I think that's why they're so interesting and why the books are so dynamic. And thinking sort of four to seven, that kind of age range, three to seven? Yeah, even younger. I reckon even even babies, I think, sometimes will respond to the colours and the shapes and also just the sounds. Because Sasha, who's the writer, has got a real knack for rhyme. It's quite hard, Mm. I think, to do it. A perfect rhyme. Oh, I know, and it really annoys you that. as a, 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 you know, I'm a writer. When, when I read bad rhymes in kids' book, I'm like, oh, come on, guys, try harder. <laughs> yeah, well, you won't find that in Sasha's writing. It's just <laughs> a great rhythm. So it's kind of, it's fun. I'd say for, I don't know, I always find it hard to pick an age for kids' books, yeah. but I think that you could go really young with these. How old's your bubba? Five. Five years old, gosh. I, I know starting school next week. And a keen reader? Keen reader, loves books, yeah. Of course. Didn't stand much of a chance with you as <laughs> mum. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, one more. Um, Skellig by David Armand, and I'm thinking this might be a good one for my 12-year-old. Yes, perfect for a 12-year-old. So this book, David Armand is um, a really well-known writer in, gosh, the UK, I think. He's written lots of books, but this is the first one of his I've ever read and it's the 20th I picked up this 20th anniversary edition of Scala because it, it just looked interesting and I have honestly never cried so much in a book oh, in my wow. life it's such a perfect very short novel about a boy called Michael and his family and they move into a new house and it's pretty rickety and old and kind of weird and he finds in the garage of this house a really strange creature. And it, at first it seems like the creature is a very sick man, like perhaps a homeless man or, or somebody who's, mm. you know, had a hard time. But then it, you become quickly aware that this creature isn't, isn't quite human. And in Michael's kind of home life, his parents are really um, worried about his baby sister who was born prematurely and is quite ill. So that kind of that, foundations of the book of a sphere for a baby and Michael is, um, follows this journey discovering what this creature is and he meets up with um, a really delightful character called Mina who lives next door and she's homeschooled and her mum and her explore lots of art and books together and I think that's what makes the book really interesting is it, it kind of delves into other literatures like William Blake and starts to build this picture of a world that that has a crack of the supernatural in it. And by the end, you come to you come to 
kind of realise what this creature that Michael finds is. And I don't really want to say too much more about that because it will spoil the plot, but it's a beautiful, beautiful book. It's really gripping and um, it has a lot of kind of deep, profound messages in it about family and um, fear of death, but also this kind of beautiful layer of the supernatural. And that book is Skellig by David Armand. Uh, Skellig, S K E L L I G. Claire, maybe. Great to chat to you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Uh, Claire is the spin off books editor and director of the Verb Wellington, founder director of the Verb Wellington Festival.